0: Hallelujah. We're going to do a baby dedication this morning. Is that all right? Two baby dedications. Number five. We didn't get to dedicate baby Isaiah last time because he was out of town. They all were out of town. And now we're going to dedicate baby Caleb. And so it's, this is a wonderful thing. How many of you know that children are a heritage of the servants of the Lord? And the Bible says that a man, that uses him like arrows, and blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. I don't know, I, I think his quiver is full, don't you? Hallelujah. So, some of you say, well, what is a baby dedication? Well, dedicating our children to the Lord is, is a thread that is throughout the Old Testament, all throughout the New Testament. Even Moses, I mean, uh, Mary and Joseph dedicated Jesus to the Lord. They took Him to the temple and dedicated Him. So we see it's a pattern. And all it is is a heart that expresses and say, Lord, I thank You that You have blessed us with these children, that You've given us these children, but ultimately these children are Yours, and now we bless and we give them and we dedicate them to the service of the Lord. Amen? So I want to read a couple of things to you. Proverbs seventeen six says that grandchildren are crowned to the aged and parents are the pride of their children. I got that one just for y'all. Is that okay? Psalm seven three says that sons are a heritage from the Lord and children are a reward from Him. That's powerful. Yes. Children are a reward. I know some of you look at your children and go, I don't know about that. Trust me, <laughs> children are a reward from God. In 1 Samuel 1, Hannah presented her son Samuel to the Lord, the son that she cried out for. When she was barren and she could not have children, and she cried out to the Lord, and the Lord blessed her and gave her son, and she dedicated that son to the Lord. And so this morning, we're going to dedicate them to the Lord. I want to read just a couple of things. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4-7, through 7, it says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts and press them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. We think sometimes that when we dedicate or when we disciple our children, we make it so formal. But he said, when you go to sleep and when you wake up and when you walk along the road, he's excited, glory to God. He knows he's getting dedicated this morning. In other words, as you're doing life, you demonstrate and you use teachable moments to your children. It doesn't have to be so formal. Jesus would oftentimes teach and disciple His his disciples and other people by using His surroundings and in situations that would occur. And that's what He said for us to do in Deuteronomy. It also says in Ephesians, Fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath. Instead... Bring them up in the training and in the instruction of the Lord. And God's instructions are plain. Another translation says, Fathers, do not irritate and provoke your children to anger. Do not exasperate them to resentment, but rear them tenderly in the training and the discipline and the counsel and the admonition of the Lord. Hallelujah. I want you to stretch your hands forth towards them. I want to say this to you. It is our obligation as the family of God, it is our responsibility as part of the family to help them raise these children in the admonition of the Lord. You and I have a part to play in that as well. It's our part to play. This is not just a religious function. This is a family. We are a part of the body of Christ and we are children of the Most High King. And so that responsibility is on us. So mamas and daddies, Grandmas and grandpas, you see some of these young folk acting the fool and acting up and you got something in your spirit. Go to their parents in a spirit of love and tenderness and say, what are you, what's going on? How are you doing? Can I pray with you? Can I help you? Don't come in judgment and and in, in wrath and in anger because we all ourselves have been in similar situations. We come and say, can I help you? I see this. Can I help you? That's our part. Nana, Papa, it's your part too, as, the, as part, the other set of grandparents, to help them, to raise them, and to bring them up. Elijah, Joshua, Joanna, it's your part to play too. You have a part to play in the seeing your brothers raised up in the admonition of the Lord. Stretch your hands forth towards them. Come on, Casey and, and uh, Langston. Inez and April, come on, come on up. Bill and Carol and Morris and Sarah out of town this morning. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, we lay hands on baby Caleb. We lay hands on not so much baby anymore, but big boy Isaiah. And Father, as out of their heart, Ed and Emily Hellman, to dedicate their children to the Lord. We together join our faith with them and we dedicate them to the service of the Lord in the name of Jesus. We call you blessed in everything you put your hands to. We call your life fruitful. The enemy shall not snuff you out. All the days of your life shall be numbered and extended beyond the norm. And I hear the Spirit of the Lord saying, With long life will I satisfy them. What does that mean? That means when Caleb and when Isaiah are fully satisfied and they feel satisfied in all that they've done here on this earth, then they can put their hands on their chest and give up the ghost, as the Scripture says, and go home to be with the Lord. They will not be snuffed out in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We call forth the giftings of God in them. We call forth the anointing of God in them. We call forth the destiny of God in them, and we declare that you will fulfill the call of God on your life in the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah! Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Y'all got anything? Hallelujah.
1: As Pastor. your generation would prosper and it would grow. This is the culmination of what God is beginning to do. For those prayers that you have sent forth and those things that were spoken into you, Mm. it has gone down generationally into your children and now into your grandchildren. I was looking at the boys too. There's going to be word in them. God has just put anointed gifts in them. They're bright. They're energetic. Don't squelch those things. Love on them. Encourage those gifts to come out. Find those gifts. And provide dad as every opportunity to sow into those gifts. Bring them into to, to activities that will foster those gifts. God did not give them those, those things that people would look at and would think that were strange. Because he says, your children, we all represent peculiar people. But he said, you have set a legacy that will continue to go on and on. Yes. Your seed will grow and it will prosper. In his name. Amen. Amen. Casey.
0: Y'all want to say anything?
1: I just want to say how blessed we've been with uh, our life, Ann and I, and then also with all of our children and the spouses. Uh, This is just part of our extended family. We have uh, 12 grandchildren all together, 13th on the way, three children. We've just been blessed beyond measure. So thank you, God. Praise God.
0: Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Why don't y'all give him a big hand, Lord? Thank you. Amen. Amen. Glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah. Man, it's hard to come down off of that. You know what I'm saying? Thank you, Lord. Glory, glory, glory. i help you get it. Thank you, Lord. I'm not, not supposed to get it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. Father, we come on, let's just (laughs) let's just engage the Holy Spirit one more time before we. Father, it is. Thank you so much for giving us that opportunity. Lord, we thank you for children. We thank you that they are a blessing. Lord, we thank you that we are your children in the Lord and we are blessed and you are blessed because you have us as children and that you valued us so much that you sent Jesus and gave your most prized possession for us. We thank you for it. Lord, as we step into this and as we begin to partake of the word of God, Lord, I thank you. That miracle working power questions that have been asked, answers will come this morning. I believe that the Word of God being sown, Holy Spirit, we ask that as that Word is sown, that it would do what it was sent forth to do. And I thank you that your Word will not return void, but it will do what it was set out to accomplish to do, and that is heal the sick, raise the dead, and stir up the anointing on the inside of us, cause provision to come, cause blinded eyes to see, Those things that are affected in the brain that sometimes prevent us from being able to um, process that information. Lord, I thank you that the Word of God right now renews our mind and causes those things to be put in place in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you that it is your desire for us to see and to understand the full knowledge and the full weight of the Word of God. And so as we dig a little deep this morning, Lord, I thank you that you are going to unveil these things to us by the Spirit of God, and they will cause us to rise up and to step up to a higher level of prayer in our life in the name of Jesus. Now say this, take your Bibles and say this with me. Stand with me one more time. Take your Bibles and say, This is my Bible. It is the Word of God. It is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I choose. I make a conscious decision to govern my life according to what this word says. I am what it says I am. Bright, smart, good-looking, or pretty, whichever one you are. I am blessed, highly favored. The anointing resides in me. And I have the very Spirit of God living in me. And I manifest that Spirit in this earth, establishing His kingdom in Jesus' name. And now I believe I will receive everything, everything you have for me this morning in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. You may be seated. Hallelujah, man, that's good. We could just close up shop and go home, can't we? Thank you, Lord. For the last two weeks, we've been... uh, Well, let me back up a little bit. At the beginning of the year, the word that came to me specifically for us was to pray, both individually and corporately. And so I said, okay, Lord... Um, We can do that. We can pray. And the Lord said, but before you pray, you've got to understand some things about our position and how we approach God before we pray. And so we spent two weeks with a week in between talking about how we approach God and that if we're not careful, that how we approach God will affect our prayer life. If we approach God as an angry God, as a vengeful God, as a vindictive God, then therefore when we pray, we will will assume certain characteristics about God and it will affect our prayer life and then we'll get angry and bitter at God because we wonder why our prayers weren't answered and it was because we were approaching God in error. He is a good God. You know, you feel like you shouldn't even have to say that, but you do. He's a good, good, good daddy. He ain't a bad daddy. He's not an abusive father. He's not a vindictive. He doesn't hold grudges. He, I got news for you. He's not even disappointed in you. Well, I'm disappointed in myself. Well, that's fine. He ain't disappointed in you at all. Not one bit. Because his reflection of his love towards you has nothing to do with you has everything to do with Him. And this mindset that has seeped into the church has caused us to um, rely more on what we can do rather than what He has done. Let me say it this way. When, When you got born again, it was by grace through faith that we're saved. And now we think that by works through working, we now become righteousness, and we now have to abide by these things, and that is so in error. How many times in Scripture did Jesus walk by? We, we, when we were praying, for, uh, I think it was for Andy a while ago, when we were praying, Brother Barry said something about the stirring of the waters, about the pool of Bethesda, the, the, the leper that was at the pool of Bethesda. Do you know he didn't even know Jesus? He didn't even know who Jesus was. Jesus come by and he said, what are you doing? And he said, he said, well, they stir the waters. But by the time I get ready, I'm, this is the Lawrence Thomas translation. But by the time he gets ready, by the time I get ready to get into the waters, once a year an angel would come and stir the waters. And after the waters were stirred, whoever got in there first was healed. And he had been there for 36 years, the Bible says He had been inflicted with these diseases for 36 years. And he said, every time I get ready to go in there, somebody else is there. And Jesus goes, rise, take up your bed and walk. And the man, guess what he did? He, uh, he rose up, he took up his bed and walked. And it was on the Sabbath. And so the Pharisees said, what are you doing? It's not lawful for you. What happened? And he said, I'm just doing what that man told me to do. Listen, I just read it this morning. I heard somebody talking. I read it this morning. I wanted to make sure. He said, I heard the, the man told me to rise up and take my bed and walk. And I did and I'm healed. And they said, who is this man? He said, I don't know. He didn't even know who Jesus was. And yet we think that that God will manifest himself, his presence and his power and his glory in our life because of what we do. He said, if you have faith as a a grain of mustard seed, I was going to get a picture of a, I was going to try to get a picture of a mustard seed. A mustard seed is about half the size of that thing right there. It's about that big. He said, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you will say A a mustard seed. But we tend to put our dependence and our Confidence in our ability to believe God rather than His ability to get the faith in us in order to believe Him. And nothing rings more truer to me than prayer. You know, when we begin to approach... Let me say it this way. Prayer is nothing more than how we relate and how we approach to God. That's all it is. It is a reflection of how we relate to God. That's prayer. Prayer is communication. It's, it's asking and it's receiving. It's not always talking. <laughs> prayer is a dialogue. Prayer is communication. It's simply how we relate to God. And, 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 and if we're not careful, we have a skewed vision of who God is and it will affect that relational transaction. And so we think in order to pray, we have to have all these things in order and we have to make sure that we look right and we have to make sure that we're... No, 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 no. Come here, Hannah. This is my oldest daughter, Hannah. Isn't she beautiful? Look how big she's getting. I'm her father. I'm your daddy, right? Who's your daddy? Who's your daddy, girl? She's my daughter. How awkward would... It, now, I want you to get on your knees. And hold your hands up like this and bow your head and say, Oh, Father. Now, how awkward is that? Some of y'all say, Man, the pastor's daughter, the pastor got them children, let them worship him and everything. No, do you know how she comes and asks me for stuff? She comes and she grabs me and she says, Daddy, I love you. Say, Daddy, I love you. Daddy, I love you. <laughs> daddy, can I hold your iPhone? Daddy, can you turn on the hotspot? Daddy, 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 daddy. Thank you, baby. You can sit down. Is she concerned? And I'm going to tell you right now. Now, she's a little older. But she's so bold in her relationship with me, she don't really care about (laughs) y'all. Lainey, my my middle daughter, she don't care. And Brian for sure, she don't care about none of y'all. She see me up here standing around, she'll run right up here. She don't care. Why? Because I'm her what? Mm. She don't care about y'all. She don't care about, not that she doesn't care about y'all, but she's like, you ain't going to stand, in, I don't care that daddy's up there and everybody's sitting down listening to him preach, I got a question. Now we raise them and we train them so that we don't, you know, at 10 years old, she's not going, oh daddy, I got, I got a question. Baby, not right now is not the best time for that question. We raise them, but my point is that how she relates to me is how we should relate to him. She's not concerned with how she says it. She ain't really concerned with what she says. She really is just trying to get what's in her heart to me, and she wants me to say yes. Right? God is your daddy, He is your Abba. And He desires to be in relationship with you and to communicate and have a uh, spiritual transaction with you more than you want to have that spiritual transaction with, with him. And religion and the world will choke and suffocate the life out of that relationship every single chance it can get. Some of you messed up this morning in sin. And so you're walking around with this mindset of, well, I can't go to God. You know, I got to ask for forgiveness first and... Oh, that's, mm-mm. This child right here is just like me. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, I know what this youngin thinks before she even thinks it. She looks at me and I go, "I know what you're thinking. Just get it on out your mind, because I know, because I'm you, and you, you me, when I was your age, and I know what you're thinking. But even when she messes up, even when she does something wrong. And this analogy breaks down because we're flesh. We're human. I understand that, that we've been made the righteousness and we're holy and perfect in God's sight, but we're still working through. That process is, is, a, is a working from the inside out. And so there's times where she upsets me or angers me. Not, none of y'all get angry at your children, right? Nobody. Where she does or they do something and it causes me to be angry. But there's not one time where they have done anything where I go, that's it, I want another baby, I want another child. Not one time. There's nothing that she could do, there's nothing that she could do, there's nothing that that little one do, there's nothing that she could do that would ever separate that love and that compassion and that identity that I have with them, nothing. But the world has lied to us and said, well, you know, you're separated from God because of your sin. That ain't even scriptural. No, we were. Everybody say were. There was a huge gap. There was a distance between us and God because of our sin. But then that cross laid down that gap and now we have a mediator and access to the Father in spite of what we have, do, or will do. You get what I'm saying? And so when we come to God now, when we, come to, when we come to our Father, it's on the basis of His character. It's on the basis of His relationship. It's on the basis of what He did on that cross, not what we do to get to that cross. It's change your life. Colossians chapter 3 says this. It says, Set your mind on things above. The the whole first six or eight verses of that talks about our identity in Christ. In Colossians it says this. You don't have to go there. I'll read it. He says this. He says, if you then were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above and not on earthly things. That tells me this. That if the Bible tells me to set my mind on the things above, that means that I'm going to have to make a conscious decision and an effort to do so because my mind's not automatically going to set itself on the things of God. If if there's ever been something true about prayer, that's what this is. You and I are going to have to set our mind on the things that He's done and what He's provided rather than what we haven't done and what we have missed. It's based off of what He did, not what we do. And when we set our mind on things above, that takes a conscious decision and a conscious effort to do so beyond our normal capacity. It's not just going to happen. His extravagant love and His grace and His mercy cover us from, I want to say the the word that came up was from sea to shining sea. I I mean, his, His grace His grace and His mercy covers us as far as you can think. But in order to access those things, it requires one thing of us, and that is to set. Now listen, set your mind on things above. When you and I approach God, we need to approach God by setting our mind on things above. Not on our our ability to pray, or on our posture, or on our uh, vocabulary, and our vernacular, and our great ability to articulate the heart of God. No, set your mind on things above. My heart this morning is to shake away some of those traditional mindsets that have infected us, And gotten us to a place where it's caused a a disruption between God and His children, which is us. Thank you, Lord. I want you to go to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Prayer, that's what we're talking about. Prayer is nothing more than how we relate to God. Or, in one sense, you could say it this way prayer is how we respond to God and His, His beckoning towards us, in our relationship towards Him. Prayer is how we relate to Him and how He relates to us. But how we relate to Him directly res- uh, uh, it, it has a direct response. On us receiving the benefits of how He has already related to us. Man, that's good right there. Somebody write that down. I should have wrote that down early. How we relate to God will affect the way that we receive the benefit of how He has already related to us. We're not waiting on God. God is waiting on us. It says that He is waiting for the Son. He the the earth, the, the Bible says that the earth groans for the manifestation, come on, somebody, of the sons of God. He is waiting on us to begin to manifest this message, this kingdom. Jesus really didn't preach faith. Jesus really didn't preach a lot of things. What did Jesus preach? The kingdom. He said the kingdom of God is like it when you and I grab a hold of that not only will our faith rise and it will increase our faith but it will increase our faith in his ability to get more faith to us. You know I grew up in the faith message. I grew up non-denominational charismatic Pentecostal glory to God. We cast cast demons out of pinky toes. I mean we was there you know what I'm saying. We prayed for three hours to get somebody free. And then I came over to the word of faith and and I begin to have a, a, a firmer grasp of the word in my life. And I remember one of my instructors, which is actually, uh, which actually we're going to have in uh, September, one of my instructors from Rhema, who's over um, all of RMAI, Rama Ministerial Association International, he's over all that, traveled with with Dad Hagen when he was younger, and just a great, his name is Brother Doug Jones, I've got him scheduled to come in September. And we're... Praying about hosting a Rhema event here for all the Rhema graduates that have graduated on that Saturday morning, and then he's gonna be here Saturday night, and of course he'll be here Sunday morning. But I remember one of the things he said to me, to us at school, was he said, Do you believe that God hears you when you pray? Of course, you've got a room full of dynamite faith-filled people. Everybody's hands shot up. Yes, glory to God. We believe God hears us when we pray, and He goes, "Glory to God!" You believe, I and mean, He got us all. We were like, "Yes, glory to God!" You believe God hears you when you pray. Yes, He said, "Prove it," and it, it got quiet just like that. He said, "Prove it." The first thing that that, that I begin to do is I begin to really analyze what it was that I believe remember 1 John 5.14 said, this is the confidence that we have in Him. That if we ask anything according to His will, then we know that He what? Hears us. Mark 11.24 says, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. I remember that challenge it was in my life. And so what I want to do for you this morning is I want to set some scriptural precedent in your life so that when you and I get ready to go pray this week, it will set the platform for us to come in here with boldness because now we got word. We know God hears us. And listen, I got news for you. I don't care how dirty you think you are. I don't care how much you've sinned. I don't care how disgusting you think you are in the sight of God. It ain't no more disgusting than that right there that can't cure it. You think that for one minute that when Je- if Jesus himself, okay, and I know I'm laying the foundations, you just go with me. If the, the, the blocks or the roadblocks in your mind, well, I just don't know if I can approach God like that. You're going to tell me that if Jesus himself was to manifest himself right now, As I am here talking to you, Jesus himself walked up and said, Inez, always use you, right? Inez, do you really think that my blood didn't cover that roadblock that's in your mind? Langston, do you really think that the stripes that I laid on my back, you think I I, I skipped that disease or that, that bacteria or that infection that you've been wrestling with? You think Jesus would say that? What would he say? What would we say, well, Joel? Do you really think that when Jesus—let me let me say it this way, because this is—I didn't—I didn't mean to do this, but this is for you, Isaiah. I want you to go there real quick, Isaiah fifty-three. Hallelujah! It's all right this morning for me to go down this rabbit trail. Is that okay? Isaiah fifty-three. Verse 4. Surely He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. That sounds good. Now, I don't know about you, but in my Bible, there's a number one beside the word griefs. So I look over into the margin of my Bible, and it says literal. The literal translation of the word griefs in verse 4 is sicknesses. And then there's a number two besides sorrows. So I go over to my margin, and it says, the literal translation of that word is pains. That tells, the that, let me explain that to you. Let me, let me pastor you through this, okay? Let me shepherd you through this. In the original Greek, when the translators got together to translate the New King James, King James The New Living Translations, whatever. When they got together, they got to this part in Scripture. And rather than translating it verbatim, they chose to offset it a little bit. And they said griefs and sorrows. But in the literal Greek, or in the Hebrew in this case, in the literal Hebrew, there is no griefs, there is no sorrow. It is sicknesses and pains. You got pains in your body. So, I say to you, do you believe for one second if Jesus was here that he would say, Joel, do you not believe that the the flesh that was ripped from my back, that I somehow, there was a loophole into your condition? No. Well, pastor, I've been carrying this for generations. I was riding with somebody yesterday, and I... I came this close, but I didn't because I felt like the Spirit of the Lord says, now is not the time. And it wasn't. But this individual was telling me about the pattern. He said, I look at patterns. And he said, this person's mother, this person's sister, this person's brother, they've only had one child. So the pattern led to believe that maybe they were only destined for one child. And I mean the Spirit of God rose up within me. And I thought, well, the pattern that I look at is this. But at that moment, it's not the right time. But I believe that we look at patterns too much of the time rather than the Word. And so now when we approach God and we come to God in prayer, we approach Him with tradition. We approach him with religion. We approach him with what grandma said. And y'all heard that uh, story about this is great about prayer. You've heard that story about the mother who was getting ready for Thanksgiving, and so she took the ham and she cut the butt end off the ham and she set it in the, pan, in the pan. And the daughter goes, Mama, why do you cut the ham, the butt end off the ham? And she said, Well, sweetheart, that's what your grandmother taught me to do. And she said, but why? And she said, well, I really don't know why. Let's ask her. Ring, 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 grandma. Hey, grandma. Hey, mama. Let's use Hannah. Hannah was asking me why we cut the butt end off the ham and put it in the pan before we put it in the oven. And she said, well, I don't know, sweetheart. That's just what my mama taught me to do. And she said, but why? She said, I don't know. I'll call your grandma. She hangs up the phone. She calls great-grandma. Hey, mama. Hannah, your great-grandchild, was asking her mama, who asked me, and we don't know, why do we cut the bud end off the hem? And she said, well, sweetheart, I don't know why y'all did it, but I did it because our pan was too little. <laughs> and so now you've got, listen, this is good. You've got three generations that have been in, in, uh, affected and infected with a philosophy of how to properly cook a ham that was based on lack and necessity in one generation, and now that thing has trickled down into three generations. You're going to tell me that from a religious standpoint, from a Christian standpoint, we don't carry around some of those st- same statistics, those same traits? Mama, why you, you know, why you always get on your knees or... Why do you do this before you pray? Rub the beads or whatever religious activity. Why do we do that? Because we've been taught those things. Now, go to Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to try to camp here for just a little while. Matthew chapter 6. Boy, this is good right here. I mean, you know, brother, um, Mr. Timmy always says, you know, be careful. Talking about food, you know, especially when he brings food or whatever. Because he'd be like, be careful, because that would get all in your mouth. Well, be careful, because this is about to get all up in your business right here. Matthew chapter 6. We're going to start at verse 1, because I want to set the stage. Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men, to be seen by them, otherwise you have no reward from your Father in heaven. So what's he talking about? He's saying, based on a system, okay, based on a system where you brought your offering and you publicly acknowledged what it was you gave in those days, that's what the Pharisees and the Sadducees did because they wanted to be seen by men. Right? You remember the uh, story of the widow and the mite? And... And Jesus said, this woman has given more than all of you. Because Jesus gave you a glimpse into him. And he said, look, it ain't about how much. It's about your heart and what you give. So he says, take heed that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Okay? Therefore, when you do a charitable deed... Do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory for men. Or surely, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you do a charitable deed, do Do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Okay, now go to verse 5. You ready? And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets. That they may be seen by men, assuredly I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathens do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask. And then he goes on to demonstrate how we should pray. Not what we should pray, but how. Meaning, don't just quote this verbatim, but yet it is a structure and a confine for which how we are to approach God. So, you ready? You ready? Let's break this down. I'm going to give you some principles to live by according to Jesus. Everybody think Jesus know what he was talking about when he was talking about prayer? Now, um, let, me, let me say this because we've already said some of these things. We know that Jesus came to fulfill the old covenant. Some of the things that Jesus taught and some of the things that he said was a reflection thereof of the old covenant. But some of the things that he did and demonstrated, he demonstrated to us in the transitional phase of going from an old system to a new system. And this is one of those transitional moments where he said, when you pray, he's saying, listen, when you pray because of what's happening and because of what's fixing to happen, I want you to do this. He wasn't abiding by the old system because the old system, you couldn't go to God. You had to go through a mediator. You had to go through a priest. And Jesus is saying, listen, when you pray, this is what I want you to pray. This is how I want you to do it. Now, it's interesting to me that every word that he uses in Scripture is for a purpose. Every word. Everybody say every word. All right? So he said, don't be like the hypocrites. What's that mean? I believe it's an important word. If he tells us not to be like something, then I suggest that we should know what that something is. If he says don't be like the hypocrites, then we got to understand or have some comprehension and some knowledge about a hypocrite. Now, in those days, a hypocrite, the, the, in those days, the actors would wear masks. And in a lot of cases, they had mechanisms in these masks to project and an inflection of their voice and to alter it and to make it sound louder and better than what they had on their mask. And since the dramas were questions and answers, the word describing the dialogue is the same variation of the word that we use for hypocrite. So hypocrite from the Greek is one who is placating reading a script, or one who puts on an act. He conceals his true motives under a cloak of make-believe. You ever, you ever ask someone to pray? Like it's just you in a small group. I'm talking about publicly. But you ever ask somebody to pray? And y'all get to praying? And you get the feeling like this guy's building something. You know what I'm saying? Like the she or he is building something. And they begin to pray as if. It's like, look, dude, it's just, I mean, seriously, Langston, it's just me and you. They ain't no need for you to do thus, thou. I mean, it's just me and you. But they begin to pray, and you begin to go, I've been around folks like that. I remember remember being around. See, the, the hypocrite would wear a mask in those days, and so you put that mask on, and he's saying, listen, don't be a person that puts on a mask and placates something that's not truth. He says, don't be like that. When you come to your Father in prayer, notice he said, your Father. See, when you pray to God, it's different when you pray to your Father. There's a different... uh, contextual dialogue that you use there's a different mindset if you're coming to someone who's a God or coming to your father if uh, go back to my analogy with my oldest Hannah if Hannah goes up to an to a someone who's uh, another pastor that she doesn't know she's going to approach that pastor differently than she approaches her daddy who was also her pastor you understand It's going to change the dynamic of how she relates to him. If we approach him as only God, it will affect our relationship and the transaction that takes place between us and God. He didn't say when you go to God. He said when you pray to your what? When you pray to your what? When you pray to your daddy. See, that's different. There's a different boldness. Uh, you know, I, there are certain ministers that I have a relationship with that I have boldness with those ministers. But there's other ministers that I don't have that kind of relationship with. You, do you understand what I'm saying when I say, you know, you, you, sometimes we see people and we, you know, we, we exalt them because of their position. But yet, if you know them, it, it makes it different. Not that you don't honor that gift. But you have access, come on somebody, you have access to them in a different way. Do you want access to a God, or do you want access to your daddy? He said, "When when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your father. That tells me this, secondly... When you pray, this tells me that this is a relational transaction. That means it should be frequent. I mean, you know, Brother Barry, you and Miss Ina would probably, your marriage wouldn't, I mean, y'all would probably be out on the fritz if you only talked to each other once a month for 30 minutes. Or sometimes, not even that, maybe five minutes. Oh, Lord Jesus, help me get out of this situation. In Jesus' name, amen. I mean, it wouldn't be much of a relationship. No, he said, when you go to your father, you go to your room. That tells me that this should be a place where the carpet is woe out. You know, a lot of you seen that movie, The War Room, right? There's something about having a place. Now, Now, hear me. I pray, we pray all the time. Don't get me wrong. I understand we should live a life of prayer. I'm, uh, I endeavor, let me say it this way, I endeavor to maintain a constant flow of communication between me and the Holy Spirit because He's right here on the inside of me anyway. It's not like I can just set Him down and go to the restroom. No, when I go to the restroom, guess what? He's right there. When you go to the bathroom, Jesus is with you. He talks to you in the shower. He talks to you when you're mowing grass. He'll talk to you when you're using the restroom. He'll talk to you when you're driving. He desires that communication. But there also comes a place, a point, and a reference where you honor Him to the point where you make specific time available for prayer, for that dialogue. He says this, when you go into your room and you have shut the door, that tells me, three, that when you shut the door, look, don't bother daddy. There's times when I go to get ready, especially for Sundays, uh, messages, or when I'm planning for the future. Or, Lord, what are we going to do? You know, we've already got, we've already pretty much got what I feel like the Spirit of the Lord wants to say all the way up through March. And, and we're working through that and cultivating it. That don't just happen, you got to spend time. Digging in and cultivating that relationship. Let me say it this way. Prayer is nothing more than really manifesting what you see in heaven and articulating that into the natural. You can't see if you don't spend time. You can't spend time if you don't shut the door. I'll tell uh, April and the girls, I'll say, okay, daddy's going to the library or daddy's going to my office. I'm going to get ready. What's that mean? Mama said, don't bother Daddy, because he's getting ready. He's praying. He's seeking the Lord. He's trying to hear what God's wanting to say to the sheep, to all of us, and to go in that direction. When you, you, everybody say me. When I go into my room, shut the door. you got to have some time when you decompress before you and just between you and the Lord. Man, I don't know if I've done that. Okay, well, maybe that's part of the process. He said this. He said, Your father, we understand that in secret place. And he said, when your father who sees in secret will reward openly. How many times have we prayed for things in secret, and then the Lord openly rewards us or reward or manifests that thing in front of everyone? This is not about everybody else hearing what you're praying. This is between you and and almighty God, your daddy, who created everything that we see, touch, smell, and taste. And he desires for you to come to him one-on-one so that he can, oh, listen, so that he can have a surprise birthday party for you and manifest the thing you've been praying in front of everybody at the church. so how much he loves. you, But if you and I are trying to seek the approval and the aspirations of people, man, that was a wonderful prayer you prayed. If that's what we're after, guess what? Jesus said, that's all we're going to get. He said this, he said, and when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. God ain't interested in how much you've got to say. He just wants you to say something. He just wants you to talk to him. Vain repetition. You know what vain repetition Anybody ever asked somebody to bless the food and they did the Marco Polo prayer? You know what I'm talking about? They go around the whole world before they bless the chicken. You know what I'm talking about? You know, some of those people, you say, will you bless the food? Yes, Father God. Thank you. That in Genesis chapter 1, you created the heavens and the earth. And the Bible says that it was without void. It was full and without void and it was empty and dark and you spoke. And then 45 minutes later, we're in, you know, Revelation. Listen, <laughs> hear my heart on that. I, I don't like to just, okay, let's bless the food. Father, we bless this grits and ham in Jesus' name, amen. I like to take the, the time to bless the food. But I, I try to be very conscious that what I'm praying, I'm praying out of my spirit and out of my heart, not out of a vain repetition, Listen, he just said, your father knows what you have need of before you act. You know what that tells me? All right, Lord, look here, we're fixing to get this done quick because you already know what I got, what's going on. So here I'm just saying, Daddy, I got some of this going on and some of this, and I just thank you in the name of Jesus, you're going to take care of it. I'm not talking about intercessory prayer. I'm not talking about praying in the Spirit. I'm not talking about those things. We'll talk about those things in a later time. I'm talking about just every day." Father, thank you for this morning that I got up and I'm strong in the Lord and I come to church. I'm talking about that kind of prayer. I'm talking about the prayer where you're communing with God. People say, well, I don't pray. I've heard Christians say, I don't hear from God. God ain't talking to me. Who's talking to you? How can you say you hear the voice of the Lord? Bless God. He said, my sheep know my voice. Are you his sheep? I know his voice, and you do too. And those people that say they don't know his voice, they know his voice. They just may not be aware necessarily at that moment that it's always there, but they know his voice because they say stupid stuff. Sorry, I didn't mean to say that. They say ignorant stuff like, man, I knew I shouldn't have done that. Wait a minute. How did you know you didn't need to do that? I don't know, I just knew. No, that ain't good enough. Analyze how you knew that you weren't supposed to take a left-hand turn at that red light. Man, I knew I shouldn't have bought that car. How did you know that you shouldn't have bought that car? Well, I just knew. No. Stop a moment and reflect on what was going on in here when you were buying that car and the Holy Spirit was going, Get out of here. (laughs) Some of you say, I knew I shouldn't have married that woman. Well, in that case, it's too late. I knew I should have sent them kids off to boarding school. Analyze what it is. No, we know. His sheep, are you his sheep? If you ain't his sheep, we can take care of that. We can get you saved today. His sheep know his voice. I know his voice. You know his voice. But we allow this religiousness to come in and placate these things in our mind, talking about, you don't know him. How are you going to say the Lord spoke to you? How are you going to say your mama spoke to you? Did your mama talk to you today? Did your husband? Yeah. Well, then you're going to tell me that the creator of life, the one who breathed life into us, the one who manifested our physical attributes, the one who has translated his, his, his spirit into our spirit and made us one with God. You're going to tell me that you, being alive unto God, not dead, but your spirit being alive unto God, that he quickens your mortal body, that he makes you alive, not dead to sin. You're going to tell me that that same God won't talk to you? No. Not only is he talking, but you ain't. You and I don't. We ain't listening all the time. He's talking. The Bible says that he uses a still small voice. Take your headphones out your head and listen. Just close your eyes for a minute. Father, you're our daddy of all of us in this room. Father, you desire to speak more than we desire to hear you. So I just ask you to speak. I'm asking you right now as your son, I'm asking you to minister a word to each person here individually right now in the name of Jesus. Open their minds to hear what it is you're saying. Now look at me. He dropped something inside of him. And now your brain, because I know some of you thinking this, your brain, the enemy's sitting right there. See, the enemy's got to go. He ain't got no place in here. There ain't no enemy out here. We bind the enemy up every time we have church. He's way out there by the, he ain't even out there by the road. He's way on down there by the red light. He spoke to you. Maybe a word. Maybe a picture. He may have said something just as sweet as can be. Just I love you. And you sitting there thinking it's you, what well, you love you? No, he loves you. Your father desires to speak to you more than you desire to hear from him. let me give you a, let me give you a couple of examples, some practical event, examples, and then we'll close. That, that God hears us. One incident I remember about prayer is that this past Christmas, our oldest daughter wanted a star, what's that thing called, star lily? She wanted one of them star lilies, you know. And we said, well, glory to God, you don't have to ask her. We're just going, we'll believe God for you and we'll set ourselves in agreement. You know, star lily, the little unicorn that, like, talks and walks and does all kind of stuff. Uh, listen, if you're a guy, if you're a girl, you understand what I'm talking about. If you're a guy, think of it as a transformer, okay? And now all the guys are like, yeah, you know, transformer that shoots stuff. Not that just got the little lights, but, I mean, that actually shoots and, like, transforms and all that stuff. That cool, you know what I'm talking about? Okay, so she was believing. So we went to Toys R Us when we were shopping for, uh, for somebody else, and there was one star Lily there. And me, being the genius that I am, decided that we would wait. Because she didn't have her money yet, we decided, I decided we'd wait. That was all me. I take full responsibility for that. Okay. So we, so we, know, we, we, I didn't, I didn't realize that everybody in their mama wanted a starlet. I didn't realize it was that serious. And I was like, shoot, we come back next week. that I think be four or five of them. There. You know what I'm talking about. <clears throat> and so, we walk away. And everybody's saying, I know sometimes you think, well, why are you giving that example? Why don't you give a, a, a more substantial, you know, sub, substantive example? you going to tell me that God don't care about my baby or your baby? You know, the things that matter to us when we're little matter to us when we're big. Be. Besides that, he said, look at these little children right here. You do good to be like them because they're going to inherit the kingdom of us. So, there you go for all those who were thinking, why is he talking about Star Lily? Wash that out. Okay, so back to Star Lily. So we start praying and we get through all this stuff, and Christmas comes, and I mean, she just—they all just get floated. I mean, just get flooded with just, you know, people just blessing them, and the boy, this—they got all. I mean, they just, just God just blessed them. So now she's got the money to buy a Star Lily. Well, guess what? They ain't there. No, 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 you're laughing at me because you're thinking, yeah, surely they no. There wasn't any in Albany. There wasn't any in Jacksonville, Tallahassee, Vadoasta, Tifton, online, New York, California. We found one place that was like in California, and it was going to be like some ridiculous amount to ship it, and they weren't even sure they had it, and it was just on the computer screen. It wasn't even there. <clears throat> and so me, being the man of faith that I am, So I didn't, so the night before Christmas, it was the night before, it was Christmas Eve or Christmas night. It was Christmas night. Christmas night. We'd had a wonderful Christmas. We lay in the bed. And this woman's told, I mean, she's a mama. She's like, I can't believe we, I mean, she's like, I can't believe you. I mean, I can't believe we didn't get that started. (laughs) So I start, I start feeling, you know, the conviction power of the Holy Spirit, you know. And I said, you know what? I said, God wants to bless that baby more than we want to bless her. So I said, come on. So we laid hands and I said, Father, we we said our service group. We said, Father, in the name of Jesus, I don't know how you're going to do it. I really, and I said this, didn't I? I said, I really could care less how you do it. All I know is that baby's got the money that she believed you for, for that star lily. Would you bless her with a star lily? Okay, that's it. While we rolled over and went to bed, And she's going, what you doing? I said, we just prayed. I'm going to sleep. (laughs) So the next morning, Lainey comes running in there. Daddy, Hannah found star lily on Walmart. It's the what was what's the thing on Walmart, Walmart Walmart.com. But what's the thing with the the lower price thing? What's it called? Rollback. She does. This is what she said. She said Hannah done found star lily on rollback. And I was half asleep. I said, Hannah don't know what she's talking about. And mama said, hang on. Goes and gets, pulls up the iPad, and sure enough, there's one Star Lily on Walmart.com. 7 11 a.m. I said, girl, you better get that thing. So she got it, had it shipped, and we thought for sure that this was some mistake. About three days later, Star Lily shows up. I mean, that young and boy, she was excited, boy. We got it on video and everything. We'll show it at church one Sunday. But she was all excited about Star Lily. What was it? A week ago? No, just two days ago. Hasbro just started making them. Yeah, two days ago. We went on. We 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 just tested this out. How many of you like to test it? We tested it out. We went on Target. We went on Amazon. We went on Walmart. I don't know what he did, but he said, "I got you." That was the only one. The only one. That's God. <clears throat> So, Joanna turned five, right? She turned five yesterday. And Emily said, it was a beautiful day. I said, man, this is a beautiful day. She said, I know. She said, about two weeks ago, I prayed. And she said, I asked the Lord. She said, Lord, please let it be a pretty day for Joanna's birthday. Yesterday was a beautiful day. So, everybody thank Miss Emily for praying that. Now, now, if you're sitting there, if, I'm saying if, because... I don't really have this vibe going on right now. But if you're sitting there going, that's crazy, well, that's fine. Then you just continue to be at the subject and the will of whatever the current situation is. But we're going to choose to believe that our daddy loves us, that he would provide that star lily for that baby or a beautiful day for that baby's birthday party. You don't think that God loves you that much? You don't believe that God loves you so much where the disciples come to Jesus and say, Jesus, oh my God, what are we going to do? we got to pay taxes. Jesus said, calm down. Go catch a fish, and when you catch it, there'll be some silver in there. Pay our taxes and yours. That's how much he loved us. He loves us so much that when the children of Israel were grumbling and complaining. This is Old Testament. That's before blood of Jesus. In the Old Testament, they were grumbling and complaining. And God loves them so much, Moses said, Father, these folks right here, they hungry. And the Lord said, I got you. And flew quail in for that day to bless them. They had so much quail that they got sick of quail. That's how much he loves That's the kind of prayer. And last but not least, the Lord said to Moses, he said to Aaron and um, his sisters. He said, I speak to you, but I talk to this man face to face. He desires to talk to you face to face. But the only person that can get face to face with God for you is you. Well, I think we'll pick up there where we left off next week. Y'all stand with me. We think sometimes that we are heard because of our poetic articulating background. You know, I love hearing other people pray. I like to hear Brother Barry pray because when Brother Barry prays, you feel like you're back in 18th century Middle English. You know what I'm saying? But that's His character. That's His nature because He talks like that anyway. We went to their house the other night for their connect group and we had a wonderful time in the Lord. We just ministered and just sat there and talked about the Word and prayed for one another. I love that. But we prayed together and we, we, we engaged heaven at that, at that meeting and manifested heaven in a way for some folks that I believe had been distant from some of those things and I believe manifested the presence of God in a way because we know Him God let, let, me, let, me, let me say this about prayer if you leave this place today and you don't want to pray then I have failed at my job I mean I want to just stop and pray right now just to say thank you Lord because he's such a good daddy. Listen, he said he knows therefore do not be like them for your father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. That's pretty powerful. That means that means you can get it wrong and he'll still get it right to you. Sometimes We think we got to do it all right. And sometimes what you need to do is say, Lord, I just don't even know. You know, so I'm trusting you. I did that with my wife. I thought I knew what I wanted. And I said, Lord, oh, Lord, you know me better than I know me. You know what I want better than what I think I want. So I'll tell you what, i just turn her over to you and you bring her along when you're ready And there she sits, or stands. The children, the same way we we believe God for the children, we say, Lord, we don't know what we want. You know what we want, so you just give us what we like. So I have a house full of women. (laughs) Lord, you know what kind of car I want. Lord, you know what kind of job. I mean, Lord, I don't even know. I think I know what kind of job I want. I mean, I went to ministry school and studied to be an evangelist and I'm a pastor because I thought and God uses all things And it, but God knew, see whatever it is in your life that you want that you're looking at, God wants and knows what it is more than you know it, so just turn it over to Him, Lord you know what kind of watch I want, you know what kind of purse I want you're going to tell me that You don't think that God wants to bless you and give you the desires of your heart for no other reason than the fact that He loves you? Don't listen to that religiousness in your ear. Well, that's just, you know, the Lord, blah, blah. No, 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 no. Well, I just don't believe in having things. I don't, I don't believe in having money. I don't believe in all that stuff because, you know, you can be you can begin to love that stuff. No, no, you love God and He desires to bless you. It ain't got nothing to do with need. It ain't got nothing to do with want. It's got to do with Him wanting to express Himself to you and say, I love you. That's it. That's it. Bow your heads. Father, we thank you. that you are the god you are our father that we go to and shut the door and we say lord this is father this is what's going on and it I, it puts a smile on your face to such a degree where you're able to then begin to work on our behalf and cause those things to come into manifestation the things that we've gone to you in prayer about Thank you, Lord, that you are a good daddy. You desire to bless us more than we desire to be blessed. You desire for us to be free more than, you, more than we want to be free. Hallelujah. Your freedom is not dependent on your ability to resist but to receive—that's what I heard the Lord say. Some of you struggling sometimes with things that you have a hard time. Maybe you know addiction could be chicken. Now you just got to be drugs. It, it could be coke. It could be sweets. It could be what anything that's got a hold of you. And I heard the Lord say, "Your freedom is not dependent on your ability to restrain yourself, but rather your ability to just receive the freedom that I've already provided." Thank you, Lord. Freedom right now. Freedom from all the pains in the body. Freedom from all the distractions of the mind. Father, you said for us to set our mind on things above. And so if we set our mind on these things that you desire for us to come to you and to commune with you and to fellowship with you so that there can be a transaction spiritually, emotionally, and physically in our lives as a result of us spending time in prayer with you. Thank you, Lord hallelujah before I ask um someone to come dismiss us let let me say just one more thing tomorrow night Tuesday night Thursday night and Friday night just for the next two weeks we're going to open up the church from 6 to 7 Monday, Tuesday, Thursday and Friday um Mondays will be Casey and Michelle. Tuesday nights will be me and April. And then Thursdays and Fridays is going to be between Langston and Inez and Casey, I mean, uh, Bill and Carol. And this is what I heard the Lord say. The Lord said, I was struggling with corporate prayer because I always think, well, you know, if we're going to have corporate prayer, everybody's got to be here and everybody's got to be praying at the same time. And my wife, everybody say, thank you, Miss April ministered some things to me and really stirred me up and I heard the Lord say out of that he said it's not about you praying together but about that together you're praying. So here's what we're gonna do. From six to seven we're gonna open it up to come pray. Now we're gonna pray according to the word we're gonna give praise and honor. We're glory. We're gonna maybe do a little you know a little bit of time of worship just to get our hearts and our minds ready to believe God and to pray some things out. Then we're going to pray for our government. We're going to pray for our leaders. We're going to pray for our community. And then I've turned it over to each individual elder and elder's wife to just simply lead the prayer time. In whatever the Holy Spirit desires for that specific time. So, if you want to come all of those days, or if you can only come one of those days, that's fine. We're just telling you that we're making it available so that we can all together pray together. You understand what I'm saying? And that's our heart. No condemnation, no pressure. But if you want to come and just join together in prayer, then that's what we're going to do. We're going to pray together. And then we're going, uh, at the end of that two weeks on that Sunday, We'll have some testimonies and things like that to just kind of share. And then we'll start a new a new series that we're going to be doing called You Asked For. It. Y'all remember that? The cards that we filled out. Okay, well get ready because we're doing four weeks of the sermons that you wanted us to preach, that you asked for. And so we're preparing those and getting them ready for what you, everybody say, I asked for it. Asked for it. So we're fixing to give it to you. And uh, the first one, The highest response we had, the number one thing that everybody wanted to know is how to live a stress-free life. I mean, I thought it would be like, you know, something else, but a stress-free life. So, just trying to whet your appetite a little bit. Get you ready, amen? Andy, (laughs) would you come and pray for us, brother? And bless us and dismiss us. Many of you don't know Andy. Good-looking guy, talented musician, got a lot of history with the church. God's done a lot of work in his life. Pray for us and dismiss us, would you?
1: Um, Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for uh, the freedom to gather God in worship as a family. God, we thank you for the words, for the worship this morning. I ask that you stick it deep in our hearts, Lord. Like a mustard seed, God. Allow it to begin to grow. God, take our prayer to another level. Take our faith to another level. Take our understanding, God, to another level. God, I ask you just to bless everybody here as they go, God. Great afternoon. Give them a great week, Lord. God, set a fire in our our hearts and our souls to seek you every day. A hunger for you, God. When we wake up in the morning, you're the first thing on our mind, and when we go to sleep, you're the last thing we think about. Because a hurt and dying world out there, Lord, needs us. It needs the love of Jesus. God, I just pray for the love of the hearts of all of us in here, God, that we would just walk without judgment, God, that we would just flow in the spiritual love that will affect this world now and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Thank you.
0: You guys are dismissed. Don't forget, Wednesday night are our connect groups. We've got them online, the different locations and everything. Come join us. Amen.